Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are my journals out loud. And uh, this podcast is number, I believe, 174. I don't know why I never went back and numbered them. So I'm going to try and do that, but, you know, with no internet, it's a little spotty. But I went and counted. We're at number 174. So if you've been here this whole time, congratulations. And if you looked at the posting and you've seen the title and the pictures, you see lots of rocks. And uh, you see the word touchstone, and there may be a faint memory somewhere that says, hey, we've already talked about this. What does that have to do with the nervous system? What has that have to do with who we are is wired for danger? And why did I put this concrete, practical, real-life touchstone stuff in the links and pictures below? So... Uh, the reason why is I thought, hey, let's just look it up and see what the word touchstone actually really means. Uh, as a sidebar, I actually worked uh, in at a contract level for, remember, Touchstone Studios? We worked on the trailer for uh, the Tom Cruise movie with Paul Newman, the hustle one, I can't remember, down out in Beverly Hills. Uh, so it was kind of fun. That was my brief foray into real-life Hollywood. Knowing what we know now, I'm glad I never uh, was able to pursue that. I got... It's a long story. Anyway, so it was a pervy story, though, so I suppose it was appropriate. But uh, I, when I started looking up Touchstone, I didn't realize there was like a million different businesses called Touchstone. There's a million different people using it as their moniker, their you know, logo, blah, 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 blah. But an actual Touchstone was a black piece of rock uh, in specific types of minerals that you could scrape silver and gold on to check if it was real. Uh, And this was before they had all the fancy stuff. And, you know, I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, we're moving into a world where this might be a handy real thing to have. So uh, I looked for some rocks that were around. That's another picture with the orange it's a plastic lid with the black rocks they're not all that black uh unfortunately but i looked on amazon they're only like six or seven dollars to get a real one Uh, you can get the kits with some of the chemicals but i thought you know at a practical level if we end up using silver and gold it might not be a bad idea to have something that could actually tell you whether you've got the real thing or not but it's also become a word that means other things and it means quality and it means different things to different people but what I like about it is the same thing I said last time and I'm saying it again because uh, I wanted to just sort of reiterate the value of this idea because I've changed uh, some of the wording and the description for the podcast and where you know, I see us kind of moving forward together here is creating a tribe and having a touchstone, both as in the podcast, for those of you who understand and like what we're talking about. uh, And then there's a reality check about having a literal thing you touch to refocus you. And if you think about, you know, the traditions of, uh, you know, the Native American with the medicine bag, uh, the the uh, different cultures that have different, you know, they have altars, they have stones, they have little bags, they have all kinds of things. And 
the power isn't in the thing itself, but it's really a centering tool. The same thing with ritual. Ritual is a centering tool. And when you displace and put the power in the object, saying, you know, oh, this crystal is magical and it's creating magical things, versus, you know, this crystal or this uh, prayer or this set of words, really the power is the focus that it can bring you. And when we're stressed, it's just not a bad thing to have something tactile. It's an excellent uh, grounding and refocusing tool to have something you physically touch. Uh, and it's a powerful symbol to bring us back to center. And, you know, the more stressed out we get, the more uncertainty that's surrounding us, it's just not a bad idea. I hope you can't hear the wind, because, of course, the minute I decided to do this, the wind picked up. But it's just not a bad idea to have some tools and tricks of the trade as we move forward. And one of the things that I really like about, you know, having a little bag or having stones or things like that is that they're tiny and you can walk with them. You don't have to have a great big one. You can have a paperweight size for those of you who live in one place and won't be going anywhere. And then you can have a tiny one for those of us who... Uh, may be wandering till our end of days. Who knows what the future holds? So that is the opening idea that I wanted to talk about with uh, what I'm showing you, the pictures of these rocks. Not because you should run out and go get a bunch of rocks, because some of us <clears throat> have done that, and I've spent, I won't tell you how many hours, moving my rocks around. So uh, I'm trying to figure out what to do with them. That opening picture with the three rocks sitting on the petrified wood is uh, me playing around with stuff. But the reason those are so vibrant is I had soaked them in water and then I soaked them in glycerin. And the amount of color that comes forward uh, when they're wet is spectacular compared to uh, when they're dry. And so, uh, you know, I've been experimenting with different things that create that wet look without having to sit them in water all the time but such a difference in terms of the vibrancy it really just brings it alive so I thought you might enjoy to see some of the rocks that I have collected over the years and the thing that I liked most and I've told you this before about the petrified wood where I picked that up in Arizona uh, you know we knew where it came from is that it's been documented that it's 200 million years old and there's something to me that's very powerful to be able to pick up something in my hand and know it's 200 million years old. I mean, it sort of puts our tiny little life into perspective. Uh, it puts our timeline into perspective, even though this moment in time feels super overwhelming. Uh, there's something really to me powerful about remembering that in the wheel or the spiral of time, we're just a little tiny, you know, notch or crack or, uh, you know, millimeter in comparison to everyone and everything that will come and has gone before, after, and during. And so uh, I really like the petrified wood. Uh, I don't need as much of it as I have, but, but I've been trying to figure out uh, what to do with it, like I said. So the, you're seeing some pictures of me kind of playing around with the rocks there. And that 
is the power of the touchstone. But it's more than just having a thing. I think in this moment of time, it's so important to be able to get ourselves back to center, to get us refocused, to, to remind us, to reframe whatever we need to do to shift gears. And, you know, I put up a video uh, two days ago, I think, in relationship to when I'm talking to you here. If not, it's the video it would be, uh, I didn't label it as an episode. So it's between 173 and 174 because it's not my podcast. It's a video by a psychologist. I don't know her. I was just sort of poking around looking for uh, somebody to talk about this idea of autism uh, what's called highly sensitive people, and then she also, you know, factored in complex uh, PTSD, and uh, she didn't touch on ADHD, but I'm sort of having this epiphany that there are such, there's such tremendous overlap in terms of quote-unquote symptoms that, to me, this type of brain that we're talking about, kind of the neurodivergent, they call it neurotypical neurodivergent. I think that's probably not even accurate at this point. Uh, in the same way that autoimmune isn't really one thing, it's just a bunch of symptoms and how you cluster them is the name that you call it. I'm starting to see how... Uh, the way I really think that we could talk about this in a better way is not diagnoses, not symptoms, not effects or disorders or behaviors, but what I see emerging, and this is you know what I've been doing consciously and unconsciously for years and years and years, is we're really learning how to operate our body, our thoughts, our emotions, our spirits, we're, we really need to probably get off the diagnostic model and get on, uh, we need a driver's manual, right? We need to understand, the more we understand about how we function and work, the more effective we're going to be. And to me, that's really the power of the nervous system is when I sort of default into the three primary danger default responses, you know, fight, flight, freeze, at an acute state of fear, that's sort of your baseline about where to start. Because what's happening right now is we're being wildly manipulated. We don't even know what's true or real. And the power of the mind doesn't need it to be true or real, to be afraid of it or to believe it. And you know, you can, some people are more like, I'm very uh, energetically inclined, so I can tell when somebody's lying. Other people, that's the autism, have no awareness of when somebody's lying to them. And when we can understand that that isn't a personal failure or that they're stupid or any of these other things, if we can get off labeling everybody in a judgmental way, it could be really transformative because so many people who are weird in 500 million different ways might be good at one thing. I was thinking of, you know, some people that we call, call autistic who, you know, they can look at a cityscape and just for like a brief moment and then they can draw an absolute perfect detail. 
because we're so focused on anybody that might be different as a perceived threat, and that's basic tribal uh, survival. You know, you, you're discerning for anything that's out of ordinary, that's threatening. If we can get off the instinct of being defensive about what we don't understand, you know, maybe we can start to make some evolutionary shifts into, okay, where are we of value? And one of the most powerful things that we could do is, you know, a lot of this not genetic uh, PTSD, not genetic uh, quote-unquote mental health emotional problems that's caused by trauma. And a lot of that trauma, you know, is military, is that if we understood who we were, like you can actually do the scan of a brain and see that that person is already wired to not be able to cope with trauma. So why the hell would you want to set that, send that person to the front lines, right? I mean, there's some people that do really well in a crisis, which is, you know, what I've been talking to you about. And there's some people who are not going to cope or function. And because the, the system doesn't care, it's just cannon fodder, right? It's just, you know, bodies that have no value. Uh, if we can step back and maybe you know, start to look and think about these things a little differently. Can you imagine, you know, what a, what a shift and what a change that could be? And, you know, I think it's just really important right now because we have, you know, large groups of people who are wildly uh, divided and what we see, what we think, what we believe, what we hear and can't agree on what's true. And we see all these people who uh, believe fiercely in their system. But if you don't agree with that, with them, right, then you you have to go to jail. And we're in this really shuffled up point right now. And that brings me, you know, back to this idea of the touchstone because it's just getting harder and harder to discern what's real and what's not real, what's propaganda, what's manipulation. Uh, you know, it's getting scarier and scarier because, uh, you know, things that are being put in the, the food, in the air, in the soil, and the water, we don't have any control over so many things that are happening to us. Uh, no matter how hard we're trying to stay abreast of what's going on, you know, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of way out in so many ways. And so having sort of the last bastion being our thinking, our feeling, uh, and our spiritual, because our physical, we're, we're pretty screwed at that point. Most of us are screwed. I feel like somebody is here. Hang on. I'm actually here alone. It's the middle of the day. I normally do this, you know, in the dark. I got the dogs outside. The boy dog apparently is an uber barker. Super excited about that. But it sounds like someone's driving on the gravel, but I don't see anybody. But anytime I'm alone, you know, I like to be aware of kind of who's coming and going. <sighs> Maybe they'll take the dogs and I won't have to think about it anymore. Just kidding. So, uh, you know, we're just in this really confusing overwhelming moment you know families are splitting relationships are splitting uh, you know it's hard to know who you're friends with because you know one day you're on the same page and the next day you're not 
Uh, and, you know, I have this great fear of, you know, pretty soon it's going to be, you know, turning each other in and it's just going to get scarier and scarier. And, you know, when we talk about the nervous system, we're, we're really being manipulated with our fear. And the more we can do to pull ourselves out of the fear state, because, you know, the, the purpose of the nervous system is to alert you to the danger and have the capacity to respond to it. But it doesn't know the difference between perceived danger and real danger. Uh, and so things like anxiety and worry aren't constructive, you know, over long periods of time. But we all have a different capacity to turn that off. And any kind of tool that you can employ to help you turn that off faster is a very powerful tool. And one of the magical things about our body, it's not really magical, but uh, the mind-body connection is that you can train yourself to create an energetic response. So uh, let's say that you wanted to do, you know, relaxation and, you know, there's, you can do the long videos where you squeeze and release and go through each of the muscles and you can spend 30 or 40 minutes calming yourself down with your breathing. Well, if you want to, you can actually continuously do that process, but shortening the length of time to where a single thought, a single action, uh, you can do something very simple because you've created all the neural pathways that your body remembers and it can shift you into that calming state very quickly. And that's a really powerful tool to calm the nervous system, to calm the fear response, to release the stress response. And we talked the other day about how important turning that stress response off is, whichever version, because it is so uh, dampening and so crucial to maintaining you know, a healthy immune system response, like your immune, your, your capacity to have a strong immune system gets more and more compromised the more fear you carry for the longer periods of time. Your body just isn't designed to carry long-term fear. And, you know, we have a moment now, we all don't know how long it's going to last, to do some of these practical tools and skills to build up our capacity to maybe figure out how to calm ourselves down very quickly. If you don't have a way to do that, if you don't have like a tiny ritual or a touchstone uh, or a prayer that you can say, you know, a lot of people say the serenity prayer, uh, you know, a short breathing technique, uh, it's like a muscle, you know, if you don't use it, it doesn't work. And you can teach your children, you can show, you can condition your animals. There's all kinds of powerful things you can do with this. And it's one of those things where it feels stupid and it's boring and, oh, I don't have time. And, you know, and I'm the same way. Like I can't get the dog's nails cut. I can't get their ears clean. But I understand that there's also these other things that we have to do while we can, uh, while we have the power to do them. And, uh, and that is one of the things we're working on, you know, with the dog barking, because he's in such a high state of anxiety 
uh, anytime I get away from him. And I don't want him barking all the time because, you know, in the future that can be a safety issue. And so this is the time to, to think about, okay, if I got where I had to pick up and run, right? I only have my backpack or I can only drive away. What would I take with me? And something, you know, simple and comforting like a touchstone would be a really powerful thing to bring because things that remind you and center you and calm you. Uh, it's And it's so, so, so important for people whose brains work differently that sometimes it takes longer. Uh, one of the things I am going to talk about in the future here, I'm still writing it up, I'm trying to get more organized instead of just blurting all these things out randomly. I'm looking back at my titles and I don't even know what my podcasts are about. So, uh, but, you know, one of the things that they talked about in that video is the meltdown, the autistic meltdown versus, you know, I've touched on emotional dysregulation as a negative connotation. And I would like to reframe that to maybe a hyper versus hypo uh, reaction or reactivity response. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized how it's a continuum. But if you're being quote unquote diagnosed, all of those things get sort of shoved under the same category. Uh, so I'm, I'm becoming very aware about how we are pathologizing everything uh, instead of shifting gears and looking at all these things to say, okay, this is how I'm wired. Uh, this is uh, what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. Uh, and this is how my human body operates in optimal uh, conditions. And what is the operating manual? What is the driving uh, manual so that I can do my best as a human instead of this old way that says, or not old way, this, our recent, let's say maybe the last hundred years where we push for conformity, which really is a tribal thing. I mean, we used to be in tribes of, we're physically, we're wired, physiologically, we're wired for, to live with tribes, 100 to 150 people, small enough, you can know everybody big enough, you know, stuff gets done. And uh, you're wired to be wary of strangers. You know, there's just some things that were created in our physiology that were based on survival. But what we've been doing right now, and this is part of this uh, social control manipulation, is to create homogeneity, right? So everybody is supposed to be the same. That's equity versus equality. Uh, equity meaning it doesn't matter how you distribute money. Everybody gets the same amount of time, same amount of money, which means you take from the rich and give to the poor, right? And versus equality, which says everybody has the opportunity to earn money versus like the old caste systems and things where you weren't allowed. That's what people liked about America. It was a it was a place of of opportunity. You know, you may have to work hard, but you could work your way up. And we're losing that and we're medicating people and we're behavior modifying people and we're culturally conditioning people. And we're doing a lot of that, you know, on social media. And we're having a lot of people who aren't 
aware of what they're doing and how they're participating. Uh, you know, when I'm looking up all this autism stuff, there's all these, because I've been looking up autism and women, there's all these young women who don't know crap other than they just want to make YouTube videos talking about themselves as if they have, you know, some insight just because they've had a personal experience and that becomes extremely dangerous because I accidentally saw uh, some young woman I couldn't look at it I got it off as fast as I could but you know how that stuff pops up right uh, it was some young woman who'd had her breasts removed and so she's like I don't know 16 17 and she's topless uh, looks exactly like a girl who's had a little girl who's had a mastectomy going on and on about take, taking hormones, not taking hormones and, and how people will do the surgery if you don't want, I mean, it's just like, oh my God, you've got these, you know, what does a 16 year old girl know about any of this that should be telling other little kids about what to do in this drastic way? I mean, it's one thing to run around and ask the question, you know, am I, uh, ADHD? Am I autistic? Am I uh, depressed? Am I anxious? Versus, uh, do I want to start chopping up body parts? I mean, these are like minor questions versus drastic irreparable harm. Uh, so we're in a very confusing, dangerous period right now. And a lot of manipulation and a lot of influence, things that we're not aware of. And how we ground ourselves through this reality, how we manage our fear. Because, you know, most of, of manipulation is through fear, right? You're not good enough. You need to buy this. If you don't hurry up and buy this, you won't be able to pay this lower price. Uh, if you don't get this, nobody will like you. I mean, there's so much manipulation around fear. And if you don't understand what fear feels like in your body, whether it's fight, flight, or freeze, you are very vulnerable to being manipulated. And we call it anxiety, or we call it depression, or we call it rage, or anger, anger or dysregulation, or all these things. They're all coming out of the fear response. And the more we understand about ourselves the more we can understand others. And that was to me, you know, one of the power of that video is I liked that psychologist because she was talking about it in a way that she was still asking questions because this is all unknown stuff. Uh, you know, I'm listening to all these history stories of women that were, you know, awesome. And I'm laughing because they're like all the interesting women that I'm listening to are all wired for danger women. <laughs> You know, they're all the ones, they didn't fit, they pushed boundaries, they didn't accept limitations, you know, everybody thought they were weird and crazy, and uh, but they're totally exactly, you know, who I'm talking to when I talk about Wired for Danger. They're all the people who did not behave in a way that was appropriate for their uh, time and place and culture and gender and all these other things. So uh, I don't want us to go away. You know, I don't want us to forget who we are as individuals, as humans, and as we are unique. Uh, and I also don't want to create these uh, stereotypes that we're all victims or that we all need to be special. I mean, there's a 
there's a bunch of people in the middle who are in the normal average world. And that is a very, very, very important uh, balancing act because you've got two sets of extremes, uh, you know, people who are pushing the boundaries, uh, people who won't change, you know, you can't drag them forward if their life depended on it. And then you've got people in the middle that hopefully have some common sense and aren't reactive that kind of shift that seesaw, right? So you balance out the two sides of of crazy, you know, let's kill everybody versus uh, let's just go back in time and live in a tiny box and never change, right? So you have all the people that are creating problems. Uh, and I, when I say problems, I mean like not conforming. You have to have this middle peak group that keeps, you know, because at a personal level, I will say, right, you know, the way I am, I just, you know, blow up my life on a regular basis. Well, you can't have a whole species of people that just blow their life up on a regular basis. But, you know, I look in history and I'm like, those are all the interesting people. Those are all the people. Uh, I just got finished listening to Nellie Bly, who was one of the first women journalists who uh, she started when she, uh, well, first she went to Mexico, like at 19 to correspond uh, it was, but then she went into a mental institution for 10 days and wrote about that. She was the first woman to do these kind of stunt journalism. And she went around the world in 72 days and she was racing another man and another woman. So, you know, the kind of the exciting stuff that's not really possible anymore. Uh, but a lot of the women, you know, that I like, I also just listened to the French resistance. That was really interesting what the women were doing. But point being is you need all kinds of people and what would be better if we could really just step back and look at this all from what is our particular thinking feeling physicality mean that we can optimize ourselves as a, a biology thinking compute feeling computer and moving forward right versus, oh, this is what's wrong with me, and this is why I'm special, and this is why I need accommodation, uh, and I'm a victim, or, you know, you're stupid because, uh, you know, one of the, the takeaways I had from the autism perspective uh, when she was talking about uh, aut people who are autistic is that it isn't that they they're trying to be difficult. They don't have the mental capacity in their wiring system to shift gears in a way that somebody who's on the fly can do very easily. And we're seeing that, you know, out play out in the world where people are, you know, shaming and humiliating others because they're not thinking and feeling the way they want them to. You hear that from uh, almost everybody in the uh, patriot conservative world yelling like, why aren't we doing more? Why aren't you doing more? And, you know, you're stupid and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, not everybody is capable of responding in a fight response. It's a very, that was what was interesting about the, the French resistance and the American revolutions. It's one to three percent of people who are in that kind of proactive fight uh, 
process that comes naturally. Uh, and it's a very tiny percentage because, like I said, we're the people that blow the world up and create problems. Uh, we're the people who bring things back into sanity when everyone isn't paying attention and letting bad things happen. So we are a necessary group, but we are problem children when things are calm. We are problem children uh, when, you know, you want order. And you can't have it both ways. You always have to have a population that includes problem children, right? The wired for danger, the fight people, they're, they make life harder, but you can't, you know, you don't want to genetically wipe them out because when you need them, you need them. When the house is on fire, you need somebody who wants to run in. If you, if you modify everybody to never want to go in and face risk, then the house burns down and you lose your children. So, I mean, there's reasons why things are the way they are. So, boy, this has been all over the place. I've been thinking about a lot of different things. But, uh, you know, I wanted to come back and anchor it. You know, I took this picture of the the stones. You know, I've been looking at them, trying to figure out what to do with them. Uh, and I'm trying to make some decisions. And I thought, you know, I want to talk about this again because we can talk about, like, I can just blather on forever, right? As you know, I that was looking at all my podcasts. Blah, 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 blah. All my videos. Blah, 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 blah. None of it means hardly anything. It's an ongoing conversation, but the details are lost. Like, hey, I already made a podcast called Touchdown. No memory of that whatsoever. Now I have seen it. I remember it. But uh, so there's just crap, you know, everywhere. So much information. I like simple, concrete things that we can hold on to. And that's one of the things I like about my rocks. I can look at that rock. I can petrified wood, 200 million years. I'm a tiny fleck in the space of time that doesn't mean anything, right? One sneeze and everything about me is gone. Doesn't mean I'm not valuable or validated or whatever, but the reality is one lifetime is like a sneeze across the continuum of all that is. And that rock reminds me of that. It reminds me of the steadiness and the solidity of this physical world that even if it is an illusion, if it is mostly space and it's not really solid, I really like holding the rocks, looking at the rocks, seeing the details of the rocks, and and pulling all these ideas into one tiny idea of just focus, Jill. Bring it back to center. Just focus. No matter what's going on, whatever the details are, bring it back to focus. And that's such a gift for your nervous system, such a gift for your emotional and mental well-being. It's such a powerful spiritual gift. And it's a gift to teach children. It's a gift to show how animals, such a gift in such a tiny concrete way. So I just wanted to remind us about that, have something to think about. The dogs are barking again. So we're just going to take a deep breath. I hope you're having a fabulous day. And I, my friends, will see you next time.